0: This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cast with your
1: hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Raptor. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cast and YouTube. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast. We've got some pretty good stuff to cover this week. Uh, The big thing here, obviously, sorry about the delay, we had the Mythic Championship Pro Tour, whatever you want to call it. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that if we can get to it. We're also going to talk about our impressions of the pre-release, which is what the vast majority of people were probably doing this weekend. In addition, uh, there's some information that's been given to some stores about what premium is and what it means besides having a little kiosk that displays arena. So let's, uh, get started with our pre-release impressions. Uh,
0: so I actually got the chance to spend all day at, uh, one of the largest LGS in my state vending, uh, on behalf of troll and toad, because last week, Jeremy Muir, as we talked about is from the great state of Vermont. So he basically gets a table every quarter and that's his kind of mini vacation to come see his family, etc. Uh, he nice. was unable to this time. So I filled in and I basically got to watch at the pre-release, uh, brokenness evolve i watched somebody play mono black five color planeswalkers, and <clears throat> i think he went three one losing round one to uh a lack of ramp slash bad mana but it worked out the rest of the day he said after like it might have just been a lack of shuffling etc and uh talked to a lot of people about how disgusting this limited uh format feels Where, on average, you're going to be playing three Planeswalkers, most of them uncommon, unless you happen to open a bomb. And uh, that will kind of be the standard we expect in draft. And then sealed, you can go anywhere from zero to two to three to five. But the grosser your deck is you're either going to move towards that five color and uh, five plus Planeswalker uh, side of things, or zero. That's the other thing we found out was if your deck is just absolutely busted, you might actually wind up having zero planeswalkers because your spells are just good enough. You open a bunch of the gods, or enough of the value rares in terms of playability. A plus. Uh, in terms of vending, uh, things are a little difficult to kind of suss out up here. Usually, I wind up buying a lot of standard cards because standard's still live for another three months. We don't have a rotation. I, w- I didn't pick up a lot of. Uh, that kind of cruft what I did pick up a lot of was uh, EDH cards I had uh, a number of like singleton partial decks come my way I bought the majority of a Nicol Bolas Flipwalker deck from somebody uh, including his uh, Sensei's Divining Top and a number of the other higher power, uh, higher end spells uh, Karn and Ugin like, I thought the kid was on Tron and, until yeah, I was talking yeah. to him Yeah. And then I don't know who, but somebody bought several either Mythic Edition 2s or a number of the Planeswalkers from them because I wound up buying two Dax, two Karns, Hmm. uh, and a Johnny, and something else. So for me, it's just kind of the wild, wild west, as expected up here prior to rotation. I get a ton of EDH stuff because that's my player base right now, but come the September rotation, that's when people will just flood me with uh, the rotating staples and uh, people who just want to kind of dump into arena every now and again. Like, they just save up all year, and they know that when uh, Jeremy's in town, they can actually sell him his bulk. Because he'll drive in and it can drive it back, so they'll just, you know, liquidate everything in September.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, mine. So I've ended a smaller shop up here, uh, where it was two-headed giant was the order of the weekend. Oh man, two-headed giant in this format is miserable. Really, it is so bad. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of premium removal. Uh, my. I was on red, white, splash green for the living twister guy because I had two of him. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The elemental. I
1: had three, two to four of every two mana burn spell in the format mm-hmm. in my pool. And we still wound up with a constant ground clog in every game. We went 003 drop. Jeez. It, it was crazy. The one thing I will say that a lot of people were doing, which is typically not the case, a lot of times at pre-releases and maybe it's not the case up there. Everyone holds on to their chase cards because they're like, oh, it's worth this much money now. I want to hold on to this. Yeah. It's not going to be worth that much in a week once it's opened into the ground.
0: Yeah. uh but- I, I am experiencing something similar but a little different. At the end of the events uh, my store runs three events on Saturday. They have two competitive events. One at nine and one at three and then a casual event in the middle. So what'll yeah. happen is I'll get people who want to sell some of their pool from the first event to jump into the second because they come out. I can count on these people because they only play pre-releases. So they don't oh, okay. care about those cards. They yeah. just want to roll into the next event.
1: Yeah. Um and people were actually dumping those spiked cards. The oh, The yeah. thing this wasn't the case for was obviously foils, because EDH. Yeah. So, the, you know, whole different beast, that's fine. But there were a lot of people that were dumping cards, they were dumping Nicol Bolas's. The only one people weren't dumping was Gideon. Now, mm. I don't know if that means he's necessarily well-positioned for new standard. Uh, I think James Chilcott tweeted out and we had a back and forth about what he what people think will be the most valuable mythic in a year out of this set. Oh that's a tough and I question. Think immediately, you know, I Gideon slides in really well into the metagame. Yep. So uh, my impression is that based on what I saw, because everyone wanted Gideon, no one was getting rid of Gideon. Got it. Okay. I think that's gonna be out of the gate like the chase mythic from the set besides Yoshitako Mono Liliana, but that doesn't count.
0: Yeah, I have uh, a number of locals who are looking for Gideon to play in Mono White or uh, White Splash Blue for Dovin and Deputy of Detention. Yep. That kind of stuff. I haven't really had any people ask for anything else. No gods, no Karn, no Ugin, nothing. Yeah. So,
1: I do think, though, that uh, Oketra is like flying under the radar a lot right now. That's another one that I'd probably keep an eye on. It's very low, like cost. Okay. And it gets you there real quick. Uh, three, three double strike. Whenever you cast a creature spell, create a four, four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. And it has the God eternal clause for five mana for a three, six. Hmm. That's real good. Yeah. Uh, and I think right now it's at like $7 for the non-foil, which obviously pre-release prices have been inflated, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I could see that dropping down. Uh, the other the other buzz I got from this weekend, and I was very much in agreement, and we've talked about it in the Discord, is Tomek. Tomic, uh, Tomic yeah. foil's long-term seemed real good because he has so much potential in Eternal formats.
0: Absolutely. uh I- I heard about Oketra kind of crushing a couple games. Uh, Ilharg won, Ronas won. Yeah. Whether or not a lot of this translates into constructed formats is uh, kind of up in the air right now. I'd like yeah, to believe that at least Bolas, uh, Gideon, and Ilharg will make it out because those seem like the immediate ones. There yeah. is a deck floating around right now for... I think it's mainly meant for best of one on Moto that uses Krenko and Ronas. Oh, to yeah. just finish out the game real quick. You know, make a bunch of goblins, yeah. give them all whatever it is that Ronus does, and just smush. Oh, let me see Get there. Come up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's that. But I don't know where anybody else is really going to come into play in, in the standard format. It's still pretty early, and I haven't looked at any uh, Moto results.
1: Yeah. but I, I will say, I, and this is generally the consensus from everyone I've talked to. Uh, Blast Zone is not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, you know, maybe may in standard, but certainly not in the Eternal formats. Like a lot of people when it first got split were like, oh, this goes in rock, this Juns. Yep. No, no, it does not. No, it doesn't. It's, it, it's not good. No. Uh, it, yeah. It's not,
0: uh, geez, engineered explosives.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I also have been amazed by how cheap Karn is uh not a lot of buzz on that one either way obviously vintage loves that card oh absolutely you know it's seven eight bucks i haven't heard a lot of hype around it but that seems cheap long term yeah no i I could be wrong
0: i i I think it is and the longer vintage and legacy exist, the more we'll see cards like that come into play uh blue red delver was playing null rod for a while you know like it's gonna happen if the mud deck in Legacy isn't near isn't as good, obviously, as mud in Vintage because you only have eight lands that produce two or more mana to, yeah. to pump out your artifacts. But if for whatever reason Watsi just makes an artifact that slots into that deck and makes it decent, we're going to see uh, an uptick in Karn. Um,
1: oh, for sure. So moving on from pre-release, getting into premium for LGSs, and I'll probably be the main one talking here. So, yeah. I, I kind of had the suspicion that premium seemed like a way for Watsy to sort of prop up stores Mm -hmm. that they thought were better than others, be it capacity, anything like that. Now, when they first announced it, they said, you know, they'll have MCQs. Well, one of the rules for the MCQs was you had to be able to host at least 120 people. Some of the stores that got premium can't host that much. Mox Boarding House cannot host 120 people very easily Mm -hmm. but they got premium so the premium program seems more to be stores that they think exemplify the positives of the brand got it now there's been some information coming from like Watsi reps that premium stores will get different stuff than normal stores so, in addition to normal allocation that stores get, premium stores may get a little bit extra. They didn't have specifics on it. Okay. Uh, but I would not be surprised if eventually there's premium only sleeves, premium only supplemental product, stuff like that that really emphasizes their desire to have these stores yep. be the stores that people think of. And the other thing is, you know, and we talked about this a little bit on the Discord as well, is it seems like. Wizards and Hasbro has acknowledged, we're in a mature market now. So you don't have to push up these lesser LGSs. You can push for the cream of the crop to just rise above the rest even yeah. further. And, you know, there's still been some shops out there that primarily subsisted on single sales, and mm-hmm. they have to go the way of the dinosaur now. Because if Wizards continues to support these premium stores a little bit more, there's less in the sea there for the non-premium LGSs. Yeah, you you,
0: you get rid of the problem of, like, PTQs consecutive weekends in a row several hours away all over a state by just centralizing them across a a smaller number of stores.
1: Yep. And, you know, they've got it to... You know, they've got the online for one thing, obviously, but they also have your stores. And I think the highest concentration in a state, and I'd have to pull the email up for for sure, was I think four in a state. And what they did with everything was they set it out and said, these are the weekends you want to avoid. If these events are within a certain distance of you, and the events they listed out are GP's Star City Games events, Actually, yeah. Uh, SCG Con, and then the Modern Horizons pre-release, and they said, you know, do what you want, but we highly recommend you not do these on those days.
0: That's interesting. Looks
1: like, yeah. And it looks like I think six is the highest concentration, and it's of course in California.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Where else would it be? The state's gigantic, and it seems like they're taking a more active role Mm -hmm. with these stores than they are with other stores and i think it doesn't take much to figure out that that's only going to be to those stores benefit yet yeah. the company that runs this product that creates it is taking an active interest in their success so i'm not saying you're necessarily going to see like them deliberately start pulling allocation from smaller stores but I think you'll see things shift. Yeah. I... So that we got rid of you know advance, advance plus, all that, mm-hmm. and you've got premium, yeah. your flagship, your bright lights. They have kiosks. You can play arena. Yep. And uh, one of the interesting things is that, and over the course of us getting premium, uh, they wanted a walkthrough of the entire space, front of house, back of house, bathroom. Yeah, we mentioned every- this
0: actually. Yeah, we talked about this
1: briefly. Uh, And one of the things they said was, you need to redo your floors because they look dirty. And that was one of the things that really triggered to me, like, okay, well, obviously, they're taking a very active interest in how their brand is being portrayed.
0: Yeah, previously, you needed bathrooms. Yeah. And space to play. And you could nest stores in stores to get more distro product, that was a trick for distro, not for for Watsy, but yeah. because of this walkthrough now, it makes that a little harder. But yeah. it also pumps up the brand, like you're talking about. These are the stores that they can point to and say, "You want to be like this guy. Yeah. This guy is going to get all the benefits."
1: Yeah, and you know, especially now, it's interesting the number of premium stores that actually have alcohol. Because for mm. years that was something they didn't want. Yeah, I mean, the 21 Boarding House and stuff like this, where it's like, okay, we're okay with this. We appreciate that it's an amenity that some of our players really enjoy, and we're acknowledging that. And it's coming from, you know, I always joke that football is my religion. They seem to be more and more and more gravitating towards acknowledging, you know what? This is a legitimate sport. We're trying to treat it that way. We're trying to do these things the right way. And they've been making strides, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. I think they've been doing all right. No,
0: I like that. I can think back to my heavy playing days and a number of stores that were advanced plus getting PTQs when those things uh, were seven, eight round events that did not deserve ptqs because they didn't have the space and they would not rent the space yeah so you just got crammed into a space where you had less than a play mat's worth of room to play for the first two or three rounds while it everything was, was sorted out and people left because they just couldn't deal with the store yeah yeah it also solves the problem of driving all over creation to get to those events because they can no longer be held all over creation save for large states where you're going to have to drive anyway yeah
1: but uh, I, I like the it. change. Yeah, I, I think, it. you know, i very outspoken. I think Wizards messes a lot of things up. I actually think this is for the better of not just the game, but the community at large.
0: Yeah, it, uh, I, I think it's huge, and I, I'd hate to see things like uh, From the Vault-style products get removed f- from all stores and given only to premium, but it's a premium yeah. product, quote unquote, and it makes sense that the premium stores get the the premium products. It's a it Yeah it's not essential to 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 playing the game. You don't have a pre release off of these things. You don't even have any kind of launch events for them. People just walk in and buy them. And you want your specialty stores to have it. It actually sounds like uh what was it cards against humanity. You can only have one store in every state be a... I forgot the term for it that they used. A vendor of Cards Against Humanity. Everybody else had to order it through a service like Amazon. They could not order it direct through the company. Yeah. And you had stores basically vying for that position or buying it from each other like a liquor license.
1: Yeah. But that was and very... They, just, they wanted it and that's what it was. Yeah.
0: And it was very important to the game, the growth of that game, and it basically allowed them to expand on it three or four times because people knew where to go to get the game. They knew what stores yeah. to go to, it was given to what that company deemed were the best stores for it, that had the most amount of traffic that would see the best sales and do the best for them. And yeah. it, It's a decent model, especially from a, coming from a company who's been very uh, stick in the mud about things, uh, lived in the past a lot when it comes to uh, both marketing and growth. And I, I think it just forwards the game as a whole. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely a good move uh, you know f- financially I don't think we we'll really see much fall out of this much like the uh, p- the pre-release stuff it's just very interesting to know that you might have to travel to get some of your your products now yeah you might not just be able to shop around and hit every game store in your area you're gonna have to go to one place and compete against everybody else for it yeah yep but we'll I guess we'll see as as things go uh, where we yeah. wind up uh, and I, I guess we got a little bit of A time left that we can cover uh, the London Mulligan and what we might see shake out of this. Yeah, by Uh, by all means, take it away. Oh sure. Uh, So we've had some guys uh, that have been playing Moto for uh, probably the last two weeks. I think that the London Mulligan's been live last week and a half, and what they noticed was that basically there was no like huge shakeup for a format like modern in regards to the London mulligan immediately. Like yes, you can you should wind up playing certain things in your sideboard right now while the format's in flux before modern horizons. Sorry, in your main deck, not your sideboard. Like Surgical Extraction. But what it actually changed was Legacy. And what they saw playing Legacy was that decks like Storm fell off because the fair decks were actually able to mulligan more reliably to their answers in games one two and three like late i say game one because eventually you're going to know when you sit down against some people what they're on or later on in the event yeah etc and you can actually see that trend you we, we will see if you go back and you look at legacy events you'll see blue white stone blade you'll see miracles you'll see grixis control and four color control just kind of pick up in popularity over the last couple of weeks this doesn't account for the spike uh, over force of well, that's kind of tied to the Modern Horizons announcement. There's people hoping on it, uh, but if the London Mulligan sticks around, that spike might become the new floor based solely on that Mulligan because you can get there a lot easier and give yourself that fighting chance early on. Yeah, um, in Vintage, this also makes a difference. But you, I challenge you to tweet at us with the name of a fair
1: deck in Vintage. <laughs> It's, it doesn't it's exist. It's great because everything is... Do, it's fair because everyone is doing busted things. I, that, so like, I, okay. That's cool. it.
0: Like, if you want to call... Like, I, I think Shops is a fair deck because it's level zero. If you can't beat Shops with your deck, then you probably shouldn't be playing your deck. But, like, nope. it's whatever. But Shops now gets to mulligan to the pieces it needs in those games, and it, all it needs is, like, a land, a zero CMC artifact, or soul ring, and then whatever lock piece they need for the first couple turns. Yeah. So like, you got that... Uh, Dredge has already been mulliganing to Bazaar. It might not need Serum Powder anymore. Every Storm deck is a little more reliable now because you're still a critical mass deck, but when you have the five best cards in your opening hand for your five, things are a lot better. Yeah. The the problem with Modern is that it doesn't have a zero or one CMC catch-all, like other formats do. Um, yeah. There's no... Uh, days isn't a catch-all, but between turns one and two it usually is, and it doesn't have Force of Will, and I'll eat this hat if it if we do wind up with Force of Will in Modern. Not gonna yeah. be a thing. It's not.
1: But... It can't happen.
0: Mulliganing, no. Mull- mull- taking blue eye control and trying to mulligan to the appropriate set of cards you need to both play the game that you're trying to enact and control your opponent at the same time is uh, a difficult ask, and I'm gonna try and pull this up and we have the win rates from the Mythic Championship. Yes. And we can see Blue-White Control, the fourth the fourth most played deck when this went out, has a 50.4 win rate across the field. Well, Dredge does better. Is it Phoenix does better? Humans does better. A number of decks do better than this because they have better mulligans than Blue-White Control. If no. you were looking at legacy results, you would actually see something akin to not quite where Ad Nauseam is with a 67 sixty one point seven percent win rate for the control deck, but you would see it a lot higher. You'd see it somewhere probably in the in the mid fifties, maybe closer to sixty.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting that the win rates are what they are because I as you and I talked a little bit about beforehand, I this event is just bad data science. Yeah. I mean you're you're testing two things at once and I don't understand how Hasbro or Watsi a company with all this money and this brilliant marketing department that i'm sure did a ton of research just doesn't get that like okay you can't test two variables at once because you don't know which variable you're collecting data from yeah and we're looking at in this instance the london mulligan and
0: the other data point deck
1: lists there it which is. after after the second round once you get deck lists you know what that does a lot of fifth round a second round, of modern, round, fifth fifth round second of modern, fifth round overall. Yeah. That changes your Mulligan strategy, mm-hmm. because you get to see that beforehand. Obviously, it's going to make a difference. Yeah. How
0: could it not? The only person to visibly suffer was Reed Duke in round four. Yeah. And they mention it, that his round on Cam, the first round, they did not get deck lists. Yeah. And he doesn't lose in glorious fashion, but he plays Junt, which I don't want to say has a negative win rate here, but... And, uh, all right, five people played it. I guess five. We have five Jaffers, and they were 54.8% uh, on the weekend. Yeah. No. Uh, but the other thing uh, to go along with that. So they have multiple data points to test. They have data coming in from Moto across all formats, which is you know great. At least it's siloed there. Uh, what they did at the Pro Tour as well is on the top of each match slip for each player, there were were questions about how many times you mulliganed in the match and what deck you played. This way they yep. can kind of try correlate it on site. I guess they just gave match slips to Frank Karsten all weekend, and he's going to yeah. just pump out some <laughs> some spreadsheet sure. for Yeah, something yeah. for him. But uh, this is a mulligan rule I expect to them to enact. The only format it does not impact positively is Modern, and that's because we have Horizons coming up, and that's the next big data point for this. If Modern is in flux for a whole month so be it you know it, it's not a, a gp format i don't think in the next three weeks no and we have some star city stuff but we won't know about the mulligan rule for, uh, until either the end of this week or beginning of next week maybe or if there's a banner restricted announcement because they keep changing the time on that maybe we'll find out then yeah.
1: but looks like we don't have a modern event until dallas at the end of june bam so which nice, is like a that, whole that would, yeah yeah And that's actually uh, worth noting the last event we know the format for for the entire year. I was thinking about that earlier.
0: I was thinking about bringing it up and and talking about some of the event structures, but we're just kind of clueless after that. They kept us in the dark long enough to hide Modern Horizons from us. Then they spoiled Modern Horizons, fill out the rest of that quarter, and then the next few quarters just remain blank. Uh, Star City does have some modern events, but uh, their stuff's kind of... Not their format, their meta-game. Yeah, exactly but uh, this mulligan is definitely enacted, is going to prop up uh, Force of Will for the foreseeable future it might take a tumble uh, if it's not in her- Modern Horizons and after that we should just see it go back up, and if you take, I'm not going to bring it up because it's ridiculous, but take a look at the graph of modern, of Alliance's Force of Will on uh, stocks it's ridiculous what that card it's, did yeah, it's like, real dumb and now it's day, it's just up yeah, yeah the slope on that thing was insane. It, it looked like a limit, less like a slope. Uh, but... Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll cover this a little more in detail in regards to the London Milligan as we move along, but it, it is something yeah. that definitely deserves your consideration as you're thinking about what cards you want to move into. Do you want to move anything... Move in on anything in regards to modern, like, do you have your surgical extractions yet? Do you want to get out of your surgical extractions? Stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it definitely should uh, affect the way you're thinking and the way you're considering cards but oh uh, sure moving on out to to end the episode uh, our picks so uh one thing i do want to say is last week during the interview i didn't bring up a pick because i just kind of sprung it on on jeremy i just added it to our spreadsheet really quietly and i went with battle bond boxes which have done nothing but go down since i posted it so bad on me but
1: uh, i think that's fine time to uh, buy
0: yeah we are firm believers in uh in Battle Bond. It was a, a short print set. They never wound up doing a second run. Basically, supply is supply. I think mass drop is finally out of them, and the car- everything in there is basically beginning to rebound. If I did my math properly like two weeks ago, I think the singles in that set are finally worth more than the price of a box, and that's basically the inflection point that we were waiting for before the box went up. Like, Vedalk Ori is a $30 again. Did you keep tabs on it? Probably not. Yeah. It just happened. But it was a $30 card. Is Yeah. So, uh, and the lands just keep going up in non-foil. Oh, yeah. They... Yeah. I don't know what the ceiling is. All I know is that the floor is constantly moving. So, that's the pick from last week. This week, my pick is Baleful Strix. And I will bring it up for those of you who don't play Legacy, because I think that's the only format it's currently played in. But Baleful Strix is the little artifact that could it was originally in Plane chase uh 2012 yep. and it wasn't uncommon there because mm-hmm. you need rarities i guess and yeah. is now a rare in eternal masters mm-hmm. this is a card that slots easily into modern horizons in my mind it doesn't really do much to shake up the format in regards to breaking something all it does is make A handful of established archetypes better. And one of the ones I want to bring up is one I take Umbridge with, and it is uh Fairies by Yuta (laughs) Takahashi. I don't know how people let him get away with titling decks without fairies in it Fairies. But here we are. Here's his deck from Grand Prix Los Angeles, whenever it loads. Does doesn't he have Gold
1: Blossom? That makes fairies. It's a fairy tribal card. I pitch (sighs) it to Collective Brutality all the time. Yeah. Snapcaster Mage,
0: he officially cut the spell Stutter sprite. That was announced at the Mythic Championship. So these spell starter sprites are gone. LilyVell, Jace the Mind Sculptor. But this is the basis of a blue-black tempo or a blue-black control shell in time. And Baleful Strix slides square into this shell. Right now, if the numbers are holding from when I announced this in our uh, Patreon Discord... Let me pull this up. It should be sitting... At about, is it five for plane chase? Nope, they're all nine dollars now.
1: Yeah, there's a uh, six eighty eight is low for Eternal Masters with shipping included, so it's seven to nine bucks is the cheapest it's going to be. Yep, and you um, can see conveniently it was a
0: five dollar card. Then on March fourth, Modern Horizons announcement hits. It shoots up to twelve and now sits comfortably at about eight dollars. Uh, if this is reprinted in Modern Horizons. At rare, we should see this drop down to a five dollar card. But this is one of maybe two or three cards that blue-black tempo or grixis control is just missing. We bug. I there's yeah there's a ton soul-tide. of
1: archetypes that suddenly become tier two, tier one. Tarmogoyf would course. love
0: an artifact creature in your yard. It's it, it's not bad. Baleful Strike shuts down combat and makes it a mess for a ton yeah. of for a ton of these decks out there. And eventually, you just get the power through with your cheap removal in uh, Fatal Push. If you're playing Grixis, you have that combined with Bolt's Terminate, cologons Command, Snapcaster Mage. You're looking at yeah. a really good shell, and Baleful Strike is just kind of like, uh, it's not an engine piece because this is a control deck, but it it gets it, you there. It, yeah, it makes things hum along a little bit better. Yeah. So right now, it's like I said about $8. If it's in Modern Horizons we find out it's a rare, it'll tank to 5 If it's an Uncommon again, we'll probably see it go maybe 3 or 4 Yeah. It'll uh, be lower. Indeed. And then uh, once people start playing uh, this deck, once they realize that it, it's actually decent in a format, we should see this card start to take off again. If yeah. you want to wait a little bit and see what rarity is going to be at, you're more than welcome to, but this is The moment this card hits in a list it's going to be ten dollars plus easy
1: yeah uh mine is piggybacking on impressions of pre-release and you know a new set being out uh nihiri storm of stone so it's boros new uncommon nihiri and it's specifically the foils that i'm going to be going after i've got about four so far I don't want to pay four bucks for it, which is low right now when it's going to be opened into the ground on Friday. Yeah. But if you can pick this up for sub $2, I think this is an insane six to 12 month turnaround. Because as long as it's your turn, creatures you control have first strike, and equip abilities you activate cost one colorless less.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And red white, in the EDH combination, notorious for combat and equipment. Uh, additionally, it's removal. Yes. Storm of Stone deals X damage to target tapped creature. Yes, it gets smaller to protect itself, but giving all of your creatures an EDH for strike, making your jits, your swords, everything else one colorless less to equip, I, it's very hard to find a red-white general that isn't some sort of Voltron or combat t- general. nah no. no. I, you know, there was a Curie Lionslinger was even based on artifacts, which equipment is usually an artifact.
0: Yep. So uh, there's there's Jorka Dean, the one from New Frexia. Two red white. He has two two or three three.
1: Metalcraft pumps your team. Yeah. Like And even even, even Metalcraft. Well, Metalcraft's better with equipment. So yep. there's you know, there's so much opportunity here for this to be a five to ten to fifteen dollar random foil. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because it's kind of undocumented territory as far as planeswalkers go. Yep. We've never had a planes we've never had planeswalkers with this level of supply. So I could very well be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think getting this for sub two dollars, get as many as you can, you're not gonna lose money on it.
0: Yeah, I we're don't. on our way there too, which is nice. It started at about five fifty. It's currently a little under four.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's trending in the right direction for Friday to just, you know, while they have a kickback sale because it's a new set release and they yeah. always do. Something just silly.
0: Yeah. No, I, I like this card. Um, even in just Boros equipment, you can still proliferate a little bit and keep her around. Uh, mm-hmm. Between uh, what was it, Contagion Engine and, like, uh, what's the clasp? Tumble
1: Magnet.
0: Yeah, change your Clasp. Uh, and Tumble Magnet. Yeah, that's the yeah, one I was thinking of. You can you can proliferate a little bit and keep her around longer. I mean, you can even just leave her on one. And she's uh, extremely, extremely good and extremely important to your list. I I like the call when you made it and I'll continue to like it as I uh, mourn the death of my, oh, what is it, Aurelia EDH deck.
1: Because Rip. she also likes combat. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. I Aurelia was great. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I'm going. for right. this week.
0: Uh, one of the things we wanted to point out uh, the cabal itself. I don't know how many we're gonna be able to pick up, but uh, we are looking for or looking at mythic edition boxes as uh, as a pick for us as a, a spec. We're gonna try and pull some in and hold them, and I have this in my notes as a duh. And yeah, this new mythic right. edition is, is is bonkers, and if you have the ability to pick up, it should be limited to two. I would highly suggest it because I can't imagine that Jace doesn't represent half to three quarters of the price of this box
1: Yeah, short term and long term yeah, and I I think it's worth noting too that this is, if you've ever been iffy about a Mythic Edition this is probably the last one you're going to be able to make a good amount of money on for a while because the only walker that they haven't printed in one of these things that might make it worth money is Lily of the Veil there it is 've we've, we've got Jace we've got Eugene we've got karn we've got Teferi. we have everyone yep so there's not a whole lot else they can do and giving us those two plus Garrick uh, come on like this you know we're gonna hit buyer fatigue eventually yep and I feel like if you've ever been on the fence do yourself a favor now is the time to pick it up get yep. it you won't regret it you'll double your money easy yeah even if you
0: crack it and piece things out you should be able to move everything to somebody who ha- who owns a cube Pretty yeah. easily, like I, I. The only reason I want to get at least one copy is literally so I can open it for Jace and put it in my cube. Yeah. And Ugin because I want to replace my foil. But yeah. and I want to to point out we chose this and not uh, the Japanese boxes. They're, yeah. We're very much on the fence about those. It's been a split conversation. A lot of people believe in them in the short term, and we have some people who believe in them in the long term. But. Uh, We've been on the fence uh, about this thing. It's been a, a hot topic of conversation for everybody, especially with the announcements regarding allocation. And you can check that out on our Twitter feed. We've been back and forth with, I think, uh, I think both James Chilcott and Billings about this. Yeah. Like nobody believes that this is just going to be a short order product. Uh, everybody's pretty uh, convinced that this is going to be at least. A multiple run product. You don't have to yeah. worry about paying Edwin twelve hundred
1: dollars for your set. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, uh, yeah, it's you know. And it, actually, uh, touching on that, we did receive notice from a uh, purchaser at one of the distros late May, early June. There is a second wave hitting American stores. The first allocation was sub a thousand boxes. There it is. Obviously, not great, Jeez. but. It's gonna be an At will product in Japan, obviously. Yep. We get the Japanese promos in one in four of those promo packs that mm-hmm. they're sending out to replace your FNM release and we're getting another wave of boxes. Oh, that's interesting so about in the FMs. Yeah. I that that was the thing that was really interesting to me was that they're putting them in the promo packs in yeah. one and one in four packs. So It's cute. We'll have it for a while, it seems like.
0: Yep.
1: Uh but yeah, if you want
0: to talk to us about that, feel free to uh on Twitter. You can find us at MTGB MTG Cabalcast, and we'd love to hear whether or not you believe in that product at all. Yeah, or not. I don't. Uh, and you can find me at halt i am reptar. You are at
1: a- Thirsty Sizzler over here.
0: Uh, we have our Patreon, MTGB Cabalcast. We are still taking entries into the Uma giveaway. Mm-hmm. that box is still collecting dust in the corner. Aging yep, well. Aging well. It is.
1: Only getting better and better.
0: Like a fine wine. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We'll see you guys next week then. See you guys.